0: what's going on everybody up to the family i shades to all my people out there welcome back to another episode of my unapologetic perspective here on the mighty motivation network this is the podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from my experience black history and our knowledge as african americans in the words of maya angelou do your best until you know better and when you know better do better so it's important to search for information to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you I'm your host Martre Baker Stevens, and to the right of me is Shaquan Battle. Yeah. And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. Suck. How are y'all feeling? Y'all good? Good. That's good. Uh, we're gonna um, we want to appreciate everybody that's been commenting, everybody that's been giving us their feedback, everybody that's um, watched on YouTube, everybody that watched the Facebook, everybody that tunes in on Instagram. We love each and every last one of you and thank you for all your support. And we hope that you continue to, to search for information to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you. This podcast is not to be correct. It's to create perspective, to create open conversations um, for people to do more research about history, to do more history, to more do more research about themselves as we go on. Um,
1: I think that's that, that might be one thing people miss this week about the episode that we dropped. Mm-hmm. But this podcast is not to be correct. It's to provoke thought. Absolutely.
0: A couple of uh, current events happened. Um, the accused, wrongfully accused murderers of uh, Malcolm X were exonerated. Um, it's not anybody that in the black community that follows history knows this. It wasn't a surprise. Um, there's been speculation that those two weren't even present during Malcolm X's murder. Uh, Pops, your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, it, it's long overdue, actually. I mean, I think everybody expected that was going to happen,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. especially with the new documentary coming out that that showed um, who was possible murderer could have been and who all were a part of that um, that conspiracy, even though we know what we're going to get into today about uh, who actually probably did set up the murder. Or had a hand in that murder.
2: I think that's probably more important than who actually committed the murder. Right,
0: because we'd always know the the person who committed was probably a patsy. So it the, right. the, it had to come from somewhere higher than the person that actually did the shooting.
2: And that you know that's symbolic of when we talk about Martin Luther King's assassination mm-hmm. um, as well. You know, there's always the the person that, as you say, the patsy, the one that's found guilty of pulling the trigger. Yeah, but that's not the most important part. It's yeah, the orchestration and the coordination of what happened. Yeah,
0: who was
1: behind
2: it?
0: Yeah, the word assassination creates a hierarchy in that murder. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Also, Cal house
1: <laughs>
0: found not guilty. Something that we, right, we're not shocked about. We talked um, about
2: it on the podcast. Absolutely. But I will we'll go ahead and admit, though, I was wrong. I said he was going to get found guilty of the gun charge.
0: Well, we, that, <laughs> they dismissed that. Yeah, they dismissed right? that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Well, we're going to get into that within the con- within the confines of today's topic. Um, today we're going to talk about something that Dad's been talking about on this podcast probably for about the last 10 episodes at least, is, you know, um, fear of African-Americans being truthful to white supremacy in America or African-Americans happen to try to be subordinate in America and how African-Americans have been waking up for the past years uh, 50, 60 years and how it's frowned upon upon those white supremacy groups to try to keep black people in that subordinate um, in that subordinate status. Uh, Dad, just give us some insight on why that's important when they talk about, you know, the history of blacks just being subordinate.
2: I think it's important in in a lot of factors, but let's just talk about from the historical aspect. What is the importance of history? Right? So, the importance of history is one, to tell you how things transpired to mm-hmm. where they are today. And it's important because you want to know the contributions and things about the people that contributed. Mm-hmm. So, it's important for cultural reasons, um, heritage regions, and then to uh, make association to you personally today. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to know what people in your family or people that look like you did in the past. Mm-hmm. For us, we don't really have that. Yeah. Uh, and it starts with 1619 is the date that history likes like to place blacks in America, mm-hmm. enslaved blacks in America. And I think the enslaved part is most important. Mm-hmm. When we know it's documented that black people were in America long before 1619. Yeah. However, they were not enslaved in those earlier years. Mm -hmm. So the 1619 is important to start that narrative about where Blacks should be in terms of positions in America, Mm -hmm. slaves. So when you first think about Blacks in America, you want people to know they were slaves, right? And then that narrative continues all the way through, even up into the Emancipation Proclamation, Mm -hmm. okay? and the Constitution, which in theory does not include us. Mm-hmm. So much to the point that it says that all men were created equal, which means we all have the equal right to pursue a happiness, mm-hmm. liberty and justice, which we know is not true. Right. So what we're currently doing right now is trying not to make the United States liars. We're trying to make white America not be liars. We're trying to make that statement become true. So that's what we're fighting.
0: Absolutely. So when you look at history, I believe shapes, not just who we are, but what we relate to and how we're able to identify ourselves. Um, When you strip the African of things about themselves and you refuse to teach great things about themselves, but except for... How they desegregated baseball, That's right. except for how they, you know, desegregated voting or desegregated schools. You only want to pick specific things to talk about so you can have those people identify with that. With those but things. you also refuse to to speak about the he, the so-called heroes of this country or the so-called heroic moments of this country. And you refuse to allow yourself to be taken from that superior pedestal That's right. that we talk about. So you put blacks into this to this box and say, well, we'll we're not even going to teach you about slavery. Just know that you were slaves. Right. We're not going to teach you about the Emancipation Proclamation. Just know that you were free. We're not going to teach you about the criteria of what happened on 1776. Just know that it freed people. That's right. And that creates a, a image that okay, that we all were free. It's not true. That's that right. creates an image that you know, we all were created equal. We all were doing these things together. And that's simply not true. Even when you look at the, the wars that we talked about on this podcast, black people participated and some went right back into slavery. That's right. It, it creates a, a psyche and you refuse to do that on the opposite end. That's you, right. You, you talk about George Washington, but you don't want to mention slavery when it comes to George Washington. You don't want to mention when it comes to Thomas Jefferson because it creates a psyche of white supremacy coming down off the pedestal that they don't want to do so you remain in the box we remain on the pedestal and we'll keep it out there so we'll we control what you think Because if we're able to control what you think, we're able to control your actions. So when blacks are being subordinate, you want to control the way that they think. And the way that they think is, we'll start with one, like you said, the 1619 Project is starting with slavery. That's right. So you know that you're slaves. I want you to think like a subordinate slave. That's right. That's the first thing. One of the first things they did in slavery was strip you of your name. Mm -hmm. I want to strip you of whoever you think you are to whoever you whoever I say that you are by giving you my last name so you are contingent on being what I say you are part of my culture now you're part of my way of thinking now and my way of thinking now is your superior second part of the reason is a lot of people don't want to talk about it but I'll speak on it religion that's right so you use religion as an aspect to say okay Uh, Jesus died for our sins But the most segregated place in all of America Is high noon Sunday So when you do that They tell you to turn the other cheek They tell you to go and pray about it They tell you to, 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 to practice these things That's in the Bible And we'll have our heaven here on earth While you look for yours in the sky The third way of course is education That we talked about Other one is politics you also have economically, we can, we talked about going back in, in history on how blacks are denied capital, all of these type of things. We talking about socially being subordinate. You don't want activists to speak out. You don't want people to, to post about things. You don't want people to tweet about things. And we also music and entertainment. There are people talk about how bad hip hop is. There are rappers that came to, to, to the forefront and said, hey, look, we had 20 songs on an album. 10 might have been club songs. Tim might've been talking about police brutality, talking about racism and the record label said, no, you can't put those 10 on there. And they released the 10. That's the party music. So you have to understand who controls the market, white supremacy, who controls the movies where black people are predicted and put in a certain box. Hollywood. It's not, that's not black culture. That's white America. That's white supremacy. That's right. So when you begin to look at all of the statuses that create what we call um, racial divide or create what we call the institutionalized of white supremacy, it comes from every layer. There's layers to white supremacy. That's right. There are layers to when you have to understand how all of it works to make black people identify with the European style structure. That's right. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, the, the two easiest ways to control a person mentally for them to be subordinate, one is change their perspective, mm-hmm. which is to tell us that, you know, we were slaves. Not that we were here first. And uh, the second is leverage your knowledge. And you just spoke about that, by, um, you know, the, the church always say <laughs> once they got the mind, they got the rest of you it's, it's going to follow. So mm-hmm. that's the two ways to... Uh, control a person mentally change their perspective and leverage your knowledge not not what really happened but your knowledge absolutely and that's why we
0: can't talk about education enough because in the in the educational system you are taught to stand to do the pledge of allegiance before the flag that creates that 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 patriotic person you're taught to you know look at the founding fathers of george washington and all of those slave masters You're taught to look at those. We talked about on this podcast. Those are the first uh, pictures you see when you walk into a classroom. You're taught about yourself, which, again, they start with slavery. You can't talk about enough when it comes to white supremacy without talking about education. And I believe a lot of people aren't educated on what racism really is because those are the books that they they, they don't want to be put into the school system. That's right. Those are the books that they want to take out and they want to leave. White supremacy ideas in there to keep from what they call woke culture. Woke culture is people who don't su- who don't
2: do not subscribe to white supremacy and they hate woke culture. You, you know the, the irony of the whole thing is that you have people saying that not only does racism not ag- exist in the United States, that there's no white supremacy, mm-hmm.
0: right?
2: The country was founded on white supremacy, yes. and, and and that's not in theory. That's mm-hmm. in reality. Mm-hmm. This country was founded on white supremacy. And we can even talk about, has anybody ever thought about why did they select Africans as slaves, mm-hmm. right? Even when the original slaves came from Angolia, mm-hmm. but the whole concept was we needed, they, they needed to find somebody that they perceived as being inferior. Mm-hmm. So it started from that box from the very beginning. Let's get those folks because they're inferior. We believe that the white race is superior. Mm -hmm. So this country was founded on supremacy. Mm -hmm. So that means that everything through the laws, the constitutions, the constitution of this country was based on white supremacy. Mm -hmm. So if you start there, why does it surprise everybody that it still exists? Mm -hmm. The structure of this country was founded on white supremacy. Mm -hmm. So everything is geared towards white supremacy. So when you look at the Constitution, people say, well, wow, there's so many amendments because they did not consider any of these mm-hmm. things when they wrote the original Constitution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thus, they didn't think about us because mm-hmm. most of the a- amendments are related to the treatment of black people and minorities, mm-hmm. whether it's women, homosexuals, or whatever. That was not considered when they wrote the original Constitution. Mm-hmm. This country was built on supremacy, whether it's white supremacy or um, masculinity, Mm -hmm. whatever it was, it was, this country was founded on that.
0: Right, absolutely. And you have to go back to the foundations because the word precedent is important here. Whether you talk about the judicial system, whether you talk about the educational system, whether you talk about politics, whether you talk about the economic structure, you have to go back to the word precedent. And what do the word precedent means? In judicial system, it's when the judge has to use older cases of what happened in those cases so things could be consistent right. so i can't rule in this favor because 30 years ago 40 years ago a similar case was ruled this way i can't go against that because it will go away against the consistency of the judicial system so when we look at the system whether you go back to the 1800s 1900s or whatever the case may be it has been consistently not for black people. That's right. So what has happened in 2021, 20, uh, even with the, the last case, you look at the precedent that's of it and say, right. this what is happened what before. happened in the 1800s. Even in 2021, we have to remain consistent in our judicial system. And the consistent thing is, it's not for black people. Not that's for black it but the, the 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 country has a history of killing and silencing black leaders. Some of the things that we've seen, especially over the past couple of days after that um, that non-guilty verdict, is black people aren't mad at the fact that Cal Rittenhouse got found not guilty or he claimed self-defense. The key point is that if it was a black person, everybody in America knows what would have happened.
2: And, and because
0: we, just, we know we could go back and look right. at things that you said last year, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. That's not that does not line up to how you felt about Cal Rittenhouse. That's right. We can go back and look at that and see the double standard of how people react to certain situations. So when black people again became outraged, white Americans say, hey, what does this have to do with race? Oh, you don't know. That's right. You don't know. That's right. Go back and look at the last that's cases. Right. Go back and look at a black kid that was shot for just having a gun outside. Go look at what y'all said. That's y'all that's right. said that What are the parents. Why is that black kid outside with, with a the gun? gun?
2: You know, and when we look at the Cal Rittenhouse uh, a case, let's just be 100 percent transparent real quick, because my brother called me this morning and said, if Cal Rittenhouse was black, do you think it would have been a not guilty verdict? He even it's a two part. It's a two part <laughs> answer. I don't even think he would have been arrested. He would have been killed. Yeah. Because if you go back and watch the video footage, this, is the other thing, the whole all of this is taking place with video footage. Right. So in the video footage, after he shot two people, he's running down the street with a gun around his neck with his hands up. Mm-hmm. Not just a gun, an assault yeah. weapon with it and running down the street with his hands up, assuming that the police was coming to arrest him. Police rode right by him. <laughs> ran, ran right Could by him. If he was a black person, even without the knowledge that he just shot three people, he mm-hmm. would have been shot. Yeah. Okay? Just to be clear. So let's just say there was some friendly police officers there at the time and he wouldn't have been shot. Would he have been found out guilty? <laughs> what if, as he just said, the precedence has already been set. How has cases before this been judged in the past? In the past, If that was a black suspect, he would have been found guilty. Mm -hmm. We've seen it. When we look at police brutality and cops not only not being charged, but even when they are not being found guilty, is because the precedence has already been set. Mm -hmm. And we know that to be true because it's happening. So we're not talking about in the 1960s. -hmm, We're not mm -hmm. talking about 1920s. We're not talking about in the 1800s. We're talking about right now, today, the precedence has already been set. And we could go we can we can look at this case by case and we'll be here for weeks talking mm-hmm. about this. But it happens so frequently. I was talking to my brother and he completely forgot about Freddie Gray. Mm-hmm. So when I said Freddie Gray, he was like Freddie Gray. Oh, wow. It happened so fast that you had another one before you could get resolution on the previous yeah. one. It just continues to happen. Yeah. So for the people that said that it's racist for us to think that Cal Rittenhouse should have been found guilty because he's white, that's not what we're saying. No, we we we're, saying, we're, we're talking about all. equality. We're talking about equality. That's equality. Not what we're equality at all.
0: is if we would have been found guilty, little Cal should have been found guilty. Uh, absolutely.
2: <laughs> you know. And, and and to put this in another perspective, let's how many people felt that way about O.J. Simpson when he got found out guilty. So a lot of people said, well, black people were happy that he got found out guilty. I, I won't say that I was happy that I got, he got found out guilty. What I would say is, is that they tried to frame a guilty man because I really yeah. do believe OJ Simpson <laughs> was guilty. I believe that they tried to frame a guilty man and they, and they were racist in doing yeah. so. So not only do you already have them, but you wanna make sure that you got them so badly that you have racist people investigating the crime. Mm-hmm. I know you don't like them, so I want you to investigate. Do what you need to do to bury them, mm-hmm. right? So was I happy that he got found out guilty? No, because somebody was murdered. Two people were murdered. Mm-hmm. But what I was happy about is the fact that racist people weren't able to use that racism, mm-hmm. that authority, that power, to find somebody guilty or something that All they had to do is present the evidence. Mm -hmm. All they had to do was their job. Mm -hmm. So in retrospect, what I'm saying is all we're asking for is equality. We want to be treated the same. Mm -hmm. So in the case of O.J. Simpson, had they treated him just like they treated Rittenhouse, he probably would have got found guilty, Mm -hmm. right? The evidence supported the guilty verdict. Mm -hmm. But that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the Rittenhouse case in particular, the judge did some things that I thought was unprecedented he was
0: was the defense attorney
2: so you can't call victims victims you have to call them rioters and looters Mm -hmm. which defames the victim that Mm -hmm. usually doesn't happen Mm -hmm. there was no precedence to make that warranted Mm -hmm. right so when we look at this case it just was not handled equally to if it was a black
0: defendant Mm -hmm. and that's what african-americans was saying and a lot of people are confused about where racism actually is You know, you people create what they think racism is. Racism is more than just somebody not liking a black person or somebody that calling somebody a name. Racism is an action and it's an action within our judicial system that a lot of people won't see. But When we look at, you know, the killing and the silencing of our black leaders, there's something that's been going on for a long time. And, you know, black activism has been looked at for reason, for whatever reason, as a potential national security threat. This is something that J. J. Edgar Hoover was always saying that, you know, a lot of these black leaders were a threat to national security. You know what a a threat to national security is called? It's actually called terrorism. Mm -hmm. You know what the definition of terrorism is? I'm going to give it to you. A person who uses unlawful violence (laughs) and intimidation, especially against civilians in the pursuit of political aims. That doesn't sound like Frederick Douglass to me. No. Doesn't sound like W. B. Du Bois to me. Definitely doesn't sound like Dr. King. Now, I know what y'all are waiting on. It sounds like Malcolm X. Malcolm X was an advocate of self-defense. So you never heard of Malcolm X going out killing people. That's right. But it does, it doesn't describe Huey Newton or Fred Hampton, who also was an advocate of self-defense. That words are going to continue to come up in this podcast because that's what y'all were saying in the comments, self-defense. But you know what it does sound like. Slave masters, the KKK, neo-Nazis, LAPD. That's right. It sounds like what happened on the red summer of 1919. It sounds like what happened at the Tulsa massacre of 1920. It sounds like what happened at Selma. It sounds like what happened with Dylan Roof. It sounds like what happened at the Capitol.
2: That's right.
0: That's what true national security threat is. But when you hear the word threat, it's always targeted towards the African-American. Uh, especially when it comes to national security. That means you are threatening white supremacy's way of thinking. That's right. And that's a problem in America. Has nothing to do with nothing else other than race. We know that FBI targeted African Americans under J. Edgar Hoover because he wanted to stop what they called the black messiah. And he wanted, and in words, he want, says, I want to prevent the rise of a messiah who can unify and electrify black people that would disregard white command or white supremacy, white superiority. The truth is too much. The truth can be too much for white America to try to grasp because the disrespect has become generational to generational. And anybody who has benefited from that do not want to let go of that privilege. And that's one thing that we're seeing in these comments. I'm seeing people comment on everybody's status, the latest on Facebook. And you only go to that much limps as we talked about on the last day, the limps that people will go to to cover up their own insecurities that's right. is because you are trying to protect something. What are you trying to protect? Your patriotic duty? No. If we talk about patriotic, if we talk about American principles, we go back to how it was developed. And if you want to throw that word 1776 out there, Cool, I'll let you use it. But what the hell was black people in
2: 1776? That's
0: right. That's right. Silencing is when you use phrases like black lives matter and you come back and say, no, all lives matter, blue lives matter. It's creating that type of silencing for anything somebody says that disregards your own belief system of white superiority. That's saying, that's telling us that. You don't tell us what matters. We'll tell you what matters. We create the narrative. That is silencing African-American leaders. That's silencing all African-Americans to create that unification and that electrifying unity that J. Edgar Hoover did not want to happen. And now you're seeing the babies of those people that were silencing standing up and everybody has a media platform to speak out for themselves. Uh, We will take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back. If you go to YouTube, type in the Mighty Motivation Network, you can catch up on all the latest episodes. If you go to Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective, you can catch up on all the latest details happening in the African American uh in the African American diaspora. Um let let's continue on and move forward. Um the question of why are people afraid of black people talking about history and racism? Well, hold on, babe. Can okay.
1: I I want to read something real quick? Uh, It's a poem from uh, Layla Saad. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce the last name or not, but I know my black people, they really going to feel this one. It it says, I'm tired of defending my humanity. Uh I'm tired of debating the truth of my lived experiences. Sound like much what y'all did this week on Facebook, Mm -hmm. I'm tired of not being able to speak my mind without fear fear of of retribution. I'm tired of injustice and discrimination. I'm tired of having to be twice as good and two steps ahead just to fucking live. Mm -hmm. I'm tired of having to be the strong one, the resilient one, the one who acts better than she's being treated. I'm tired of screaming that I'm being hurt and being punished for it while my abusers are protected, are protected and enabled. enabled. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of being tired. Absolutely. I'm so damn tired.
0: Now when you hear that what what where's your mind going to? Give me your analysis of of that.
1: For me it's like she said we always got to be twice as good and two steps ahead for women, they got to be three times as good. Three times step ahead. Cuz black women got to the hardest in this country.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Whether it's sports, they get paid the least to do the same thing that the male athletes do, far as teachers, far as if you're working in the nursing field. Um and then for black men, I think about I think about my son when he's with me, and it goes back to one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite quotes by you two different Americas. Mm-hmm. When he's with me, he's in one America when he's with his mom, he's in a whole different America because we we live two different lives in two different counties mm-hmm. um but what I get from this is black people they're fed up they're tired and the 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 end sound like a black mom. I'm tired of being tired and I'm so damn tired mm-hmm. so tired of explaining that we are mistreated in this country so tired of explaining that when it comes to these laws, they're not for us. The court system is not for men and it's not for black people.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: You know, when
0: we look at why people are so afraid of, of black people speaking out and the history about racism, about oppression, about injustice. Um, <laughs> I think every episode now has just been talking about this because like it's just, it's just something that that never gets old. It's just something that's just been constant. Um, because next week are gonna be something else, you know. Yeah. We got to be something you else. Have, like you have plenty of
2: opportunities to talk about it because it's gonna continue to happen. Mm-hmm. Because you have so many people who still refuse to believe that it exists. Mm-hmm. And I'm I I can't me I'm not white, so I can't say whether they really believe that or not. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more about from the perspective that you talked about that they feel threatened, their, their privilege is being threatened. And when you threaten somebody's privilege, they want to try to stop it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they're doing. So they downplay the extent of racism and discrimination mm-hmm. in this country. And I have a hard time with the people that do that because they're not the ones being discriminated mm-hmm. against. Right. You can't tell me when I've, when, when I've been discriminated against enough And you can't talk about it anymore because if I'm being discriminated against, I can talk about it Mm -hmm. whenever I want to. Or
1: when they tell you to get over
2: it. Yeah. Uh, And I know you want to get into this, but it brings up the point of what you had the um, commentator say about LeBron James. Shut up and up and dribble. And people say, well, what's the problem with professional athletes speaking out about this? Well, the problem is, is that they have a huge audience yeah have, it's very impactful when you have these folks come out and talk about these type of things because obviously that's how you get change mm-hmm. is that one people have to know what's going on and they have to have people that's standing up for it and then from there you can institute change mm-hmm. i don't they don't want athletes doing that so when you hear lebron james came out you know a few years ago and talked about it i think her name was Lori something
1: Laura. Right, uh, uh Ingram, yeah,
2: yeah, like said, you know, shut up and dribble. Uh-huh. Um and you said the same thing when people like uh Mookie Betts spoke out and and uh Colin uh, Kaepernick. Yeah, Ka- Colin Kaepernick and a couple other African American players. Um however, however, when Brett Foss spoke out about it, there was nobody telling him to shut up. Brian right?
1: Urlacher.
2: Brown Erlacher, yeah. uh Drew Brees. Yeah. There was nobody telling them to shut up and yeah. just play shut or up whatever. And throw the ball. Um, It's only when there was a black voice that people felt like they should shut up and and just dribble. Mm -hmm. Even ESPN made a change in their format to where they did not want the commentators and analysts talking about social events. Mm -hmm. You know what happened? Those people continue to talk about social events, you know, even if they had to go to a different network because you can't stop the, the power. You can change the platform, but you can't stop the power. Mm -hmm. We have to continue to talk. Yes, and for people that are like me and, you know, 50 and older, I'm talking about public enemy. Fight the power. Mm -hmm. You have to fight the power. Um, And you fight the power the best way you can. And most of the time, that's by trying to educate other people and talking about things when things happen. And Mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do with this podcast.
0: Right. And, you know, most people say, you know, that, you know, LeBron James and all of them are influencing other people that's true but they're they're influencing people from their millions of 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 followers but you have to understand that those are human beings that they're influenced by our thoughts Mm -hmm. they listen they watch the 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 people that we watch listen to the people that we listen to and they come up with our theories and put it on a uh a million dollar platform a million view platform and they're speaking out for black people so when you see this, you're trying to say that they're influencing us, but really we're influencing them right. because they have a, a platform to be able to get our message out to the masses. So people hate that because they don't want to see, again, to electrify mm-hmm. the black community. That's you don't want to try to electrify the black community because the more African Americans speak up, the more African Americans will educate themselves outside of that the box, the more African Americans will Wake up out of that, turn the other cheek, just go pray about it, give it time, mentality. It's not a threat to national security, it's a threat to privilege security, entitled security, racial security. And when you threaten someone with control over a people for 400 years, what are they gonna do besides fight or flight? That's right. And you wanna try to keep those black peoples as being subordinate as possible and keep us in that box from developing these type of things. And it ain't just athletes. If you look at the other murder trial that's going on right now, they don't even want Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson in the courtroom, in the courtroom. because they have influence of the black community because you don't want them to use their platform to wake up the rest of a, a, a black America to say, Hey, this is something that we need to get on board with. This is why we talked about this on the previous episode. This is why you have not really seen uh one black leader is because they try to manipulate and separate that ever since J. Edgar Hoover. You don't want a black leader. You don't want one person to, to look to, to say, okay, this is what we need to do. You want to keep that sec- separated, segregated, and divided as much as you can. And this is not something, this is something that's been going on throughout history as silencing that, that, that African-American leader from Frederick Douglass. You know, a lot, I know a lot of Republicans love Frederick Douglass, but Believe me when I tell you, that Frederick Douglass had to do a lot of his writings from London. That's right. <laughs> he couldn't write some of that stuff and stay in, in the United States. Sojourner Truth. She wasn't, they didn't want, we talk about this on the podcast, they ain't want her to speak. They wanted her to just be there. W.E.B. Du Bois, Ida B. Wells, Marcus Garvey, Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, Dr. King, Fannie Lou, Huey Newton, all up to now. None of these people were liked in their lifetimes. <laughs> I know y'all loved uh, Dr. King now. I know y'all liked the Dr. King day, the birthday. He was the most hated man in America when he was alive. That's right. So don't talk to me about some of these leaders that you want to talk about now because during their lifetime when they were speaking out, when they were speaking about in the present, they weren't liked about, liked about America. So you can't get mad when people speak out against ideologies that you go against. And I think the difference now is that people can't escape listening. You didn't have to read Frederick Douglass newspaper. You didn't have to read Ida B. Wells in the newspaper. You didn't have to read. Uh, you didn't have to watch Dr. King and, and his service. You didn't have to hear about that. But you know what happens now? That yeah, whatever school you go to, there's a spirit, a W.E.B. Du Bois talking about how we need to educate the black kids. There's a spirit of Dr. King in whatever job you go to talking about the lack of diversity and talking about how we need, how black people need to have fair promotions. Facebook posts are full of Marcus Garvey spirits talking about how we need to educate people in black business, promote black businesses. And now you're seeing all of these black entrepreneurs coming out. That's right. Wherever you go to a rally or march, there's a spirit of Ida B. Wells talking about we ain't putting up with this mess. And when you can't escape that if you're white America, because you're working alongside of these people, you're in the school board with these people, you're, you're at the basketball, football games with these people, and you can't escape listening to it, and they can't take that much truth. Because you are forced to listen to it. That's the reason why they didn't want to desegregate, is because now you have to hear this all the time. Racist America, you can't have from it. Everywhere you go, there's going to be talking about racism. Because it still exists You may not want to admit it But it still exists Still exists And I feel like a lot of people don't understand When it comes to Admitting See Recovery have a 12 step program And I'm not going to go through all the 12 steps I'm going to just give you the first step Admitting (laughs) That's right That's all Admit Your powerlessness So a lot of people don't even want to admit That it's a racist control factor That's right Because if you have to admit it, then I got to have accountability for it. And if I have accountability for it, then I got to take action for it.
2: That's right.
0: So we're going to exclude the last two because I don't even want to admit it. So you don't want to take accountability when you take slavery out of textbooks. Because if you take, if you have to admit that, then we have to take accountability of all the things that were placed amongst the slaves. And we have to take accountability in the mirror of what our ancestors may not have been heroes. Right. You don't want to take accountability because you have to give that Because you want to give that token black person, black case, black success and say, look what we did for them. We can do this for you. You don't want to take accountability. So you do that to say, look, racism doesn't exist. You don't want to take accountability because we gave you Juneteenth Day to celebrate, even though if you go ask the average white person, what is Juneteenth? They ain't going to know what it is.
2: That's right. You ask the average black person.
0: They don't know what it is. So So, Juneteenth, you gave us, but you ain't celebrating it. You waiting on the 4th of July. That's
2: right.
0: So. When you don't know what history is, you will never see how the judicial system, political system, educational system, economic system was designed for white supremacy. And if you don't understand these things, you don't admit these things, you don't take accountability of these things, you're never going to have change in America because there are people who still confuse the word racism and they say, that is not racism. So now we have, that's not racism police. So what you mean to tell me is what you can do is, I can go on everybody's Facebook status and say that's not racism, but something that's blatantly racist. I don't see y'all talking about it, so I'll stand up against it to just disprove that it doesn't that that's not racism. But I won't stand up for it when I see it. That's so right. the same people who said that Cal Rittenhouse is not race It was not a racist situation. You didn't post anything about Ahmaud Arbery. You didn't post anything about George Floyd. That's you right. didn't post anything about Trayvon Martin. You didn't post anything about Breonna Taylor. You didn't post anything about all the places where it was probably blatantly racist. You didn't stand up for it. So you're only the police when you're trying to disregard that it's not about race.
2: That's right. That's it. And, and they, they, I think uh, again on the Rittenhouse situation, I think a lot of people are misinformed about what most Black people are saying. Mm-hmm. Whether Rittenhouse was racist or not is irrelevant. Right. We're not even talking about him right? We're talking about the treatment that he got because of his white privilege. Mm-hmm. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about him and, and what he did or did not do. What we're saying that if the roles were reversed, if it was a white, if it was a black defendant, would he have gotten the same treatment? Mm-hmm. And we say no. That's what we're saying. And and, and the thing is, is it's precedent. As Baker said, it's precedent. This is what this country does. We can even go back, you know, we talk about this, but there was another case that happened earlier in the week, Julius
0: Jones, (laughs) right? Absolutely.
2: On death row for 20 years for a crime that he says he didn't commit Mm -hmm. and evidence support that. Mm -hmm. Another guy, co-defendant who was convicted of the same crime said that he actually lied. He committed the crime and he swore to this. He committed the crime and framed Julius Jones. The guy's name is something Jordan.
0: And the two other co-defendants said that he actually planted the blood in the South. Absolutely. All stuff, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. And all of this was told under oath to law enforcement. Mm-mm. You go get a brother, just so people know, Julius Jones was a college student. Mm-hmm. Right. You go get a brother who's trying to do something with himself. And now you've put this murder on him and put him on death row for 20 years. Right. So and then and, and, hindsight. So of course, everybody loves the fact that the governor came in and said, okay, we're going to take death penalty off the table. Even though the parole board had already voted three to one, I think it was to give him life with the possibility of parole, which means he would almost been eligible immediately for parole. Mm -hmm. The governor not only goes in and says, no, we're going to commute the death sentence, uh, life in prison without the The possibility of parole. parole. So uh, again, if he had been white, Would this have happened? Any of it. Mm -hmm. From the framing all the way up to what the governor did. Would this have happened if he was white? Mm. President says no. Let's just talk about one quick thing. The death penalty in itself, a lot of people don't know why that came about. The death penalty was the government's solution to lynchings. Yeah. Lynchings. That was the government's solution. We're going to create something because before that most of lynchings were committed by mobs, not by, not by law enforcement, but by mobs. And they did it on the courthouse lawn. So we can clearly see how this creates the narrative for how black people view the justice system. So when you go to a courthouse, what do you think? I'm going to be treated unfairly Mm -hmm. before 2020. When you went to a courthouse, you usually saw some statue, some remnant that will put you in a certain place in history, yeah. put you in went. that box before you even went into the courthouse, right? When you go to museums, there was usually a remnant on the entrance that put you in a certain place. Yeah. So as you go in and view American history, I want you to know where your place is in history. Yeah. So you got these images early on before you did anything. So you come up with capital punishment yeah. for the criminal. And we know, disparately, who is most affected by that. But yeah. not, that's not the death penalty, but people who have been wrongly convicted, convicted. and executed. Yeah, and then exonerated, and then after, exonerated the after, after the fact. The <laughs> right? So for people that don't believe that racism exists, what country do you live in? Because I want to go there, right? Because it ain't America, yeah. all right? And for the people that say, "Well, if you're unhappy, go back to Africa," I ain't from Africa. <laughs> I was born in Washington D.C. All right, I was born in Washington D.C. And it, it just we we just want to show you guys the narrative of how you continue to try to place us in a certain spot in this country. So even after slavery, what do you do? You create Jim Crow laws, right? Mm-hmm. You do all these things to keep us from being equal to you, right? Even when the law says we can vote, you want to kill people for going to vote, vote, which you did. And you wanted to stop people from voting, which you did. And the government, who knows we have a right to vote, didn't help us. So the whole civil rights movement was not to get something that we didn't already have. Mm -hmm. It was to be able to practice what we already had. Mm -hmm. So again, white, white America, we don't want more than what you have. We just want to be treated fairly. Yeah, That's all we want. As James Brown said, we just want our share. That's, That's all we want. And we can't get that because privileged thinking, white supremacy, still reigns in America.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. And we are back. Again, go to YouTube, type in Mighty Motivation Network, catch up on all the latest episodes, go to uh, Facebook, type in My Unapologetic Perspective, catch up on all the African-American history among this diaspora. Um, we're going to continue right back in um, because, you know, I think a lot of people are confused, again, with the word racism. You know, there are people who are now calling black people racist, which I don't believe can be true because black people don't affect any white person's ability to... <coughs> um, to create economic success, create educational success, to create political success. I believe the word racism is an action. It is it is uh, how people act towards things to keep a certain group of people under into that um, into that subordinate box that we talked about. So saying that black people are racist for one, the white conviction is incorrect. It may be biased because we want you to have the same um, the same type of treatment that we get. You know what I'm saying? So that it's is something definitely biased.
1: But the reason why I don't think black people can be racist is because we don't have enough
0: power. Exactly. We don't have enough money. There is racism is a control. When you go back and look at where racism first comes into play in America, it's the first thing that is put on the law books in and, and, and anywhere in the world about black and white. It's to keep black people, again, in that that subordinate position that we talked about. So when you look at the word racism, it's not just the slave master calling a black person a nigger. It's calling the person a nigger to make you understand what your place is in this world, right. which means you don't control anything that's happening right now. That's right. You do what I say. That is an action. That is not a noun. That not, does, not, does not just describe a person, place, or thing. It is an action that creates that subordinates that we talked about. So I hate it when people say that, you know, the things that we talk about may be racist. No, it's pro-black. Pro-black does not mean anti-white. That's right. I'm talking about the things that white America normally don't want to listen to. When we say word white America, I, I know I have white pe- white friends who are not racist. Right. But what we're talking about is the masses. Of, of white people who still practice this without acting on it. Again, we talked about it a few episodes ago there's the difference between being a non-racist and an anti-racist. Mm-hmm. I could care less about a non-racist because you sit around racist people and allow stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. We can't be friends if you do that That's you right. know what I'm saying'm I'm, I'm with the anti-racist people who again speak up about racism even if it don't concern them and it doesn't affect them generally. So if a wife, my wife friends say, hey, you can't do that, that's racist. Ain't got nothing to do with him. He's not affected by it. But you're speaking about it because you see that somebody that you call a friend is affected by it. And I think that's the problem with white America is they don't listen to what black people say. So I hate it when people say you're causing division by speaking out about racism. Okay. Here's my question. When has this country ever been united? Matter of fact, we should just call it the division states of America. That's right. <laughs> Because it has never been united. And for the white people who say it was 1776 again, we could talk about what black people was in 1776. You can't even say September 12, 2011. Because there are a lot of Muslims that were African-American who practiced Islam who were ridiculed about what happened on September 11, 2001. So you're not going to find no place in America, in, in American history, where there was unity. So... We are attempting to have a real conversation, not sweep things under the rug. We're talking about truth so you can understand how we feel, but also understand how we respond to things. We don't need you to listen to respond. We need you to listen to understand. That's right. Now, I know you can never understand a black point of view. That's why I don't take time to argue with some of y'all because you will never understand the black experience. I had a guy tell me you can't have a conversation without being emotional about it. You damn right. I can't.
2: <laughs> you right. know why?
0: Because you ain't dealt with what my ancestors had to deal with. You can't talk about the so, the revolutionary War without getting emotional. You know why? Because you are related to that in a sense of your ancestors. Why do you expect me not to be emotional about the things that happen to black people? I'm black. That's right. The hell are you talking about? So when we speak, here's the new one. Y'all allowing the media to speak for you. The hell are you talking about? Do you realize that in the history that black people had to create their own media outlet because white America would not talk about the things that black people were talking about? When I speak, when we speak on this podcast, it's not CNN, it's not Fox, it's not MSNBC, it's not ABC 13, it's not any of those places. We are intelligent enough to speak for ourselves. So even when you say the media is speaking for you, you are putting blacks in a position that we can't think for ourselves. That's right. Do you not understand that what the media takes, ESPN is a perfect example, they take black thoughts and use it for their platform to create more people watching what they're saying on that show, what they are saying on Fox news, they hear from black people all the time. And they talk about it because it will bring more viewers of black people to their platform because it's how the fuck we feel. That's right. What are you talking about? You mean to tell me black people don't know how they feel when we've dealt with what we've dealt with? The media do not speak for us. We control our own narrative. Absolutely. Can't nobody else tell me, tell me what to think. Can't nobody else tell me how I should feel about a situation involving a black person when it's clearly racist
2: to me. That's right. The hell are you talking about? That, that alone is another form of racism and oppression <laughs> is to try to speak for us. I hate when people say that's not racism. Here's the thing. How many black people have you heard chime in and say, that's not racism? (laughs) (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So you always have people that's on the winning side, right? Of racism say that that's not racism, right? So when the cops beat the hell out of Rodney King on national TV and took breaks in between, that wasn't racism? Mm -hmm. What was it? When have we seen them beat a white person like that? Yeah. Right? So... So when people talk about, well, okay, what are we doing when we talk about the narrative that white people created or white America created, um, Ida B. Wells, one of your favorite yes, ma'am. wrote the way to right wrongs is to turn the light of truth upon them. Mm-hmm. Right. So obviously we want white America to face the truth. And mm-hmm. the way that you face the truth is you got to go back to history mm-hmm. and you start there. Be honest but one, when black people first was in America, it supersedes 1619, we know that, yeah, right? You know that, stop playing, right? So let's be honest about that. And then let's be honest about 1619 when blacks were enslaved and brought to this country. Let's be honest about that. Let's be honest about how the biggest issue with slavery wasn't just the sale or enslaving, it was the fact that it went for generations. It was the fact that you deprived them of education. So when you watch Roots and they're talking to Kunta Kinte and they're saying "Grits, dummy, dummy, grits," yeah, it's not that he was an idiot. He didn't speak English. Yeah. Okay. So you have a you have a language barrier. So because you didn't understand the language and they didn't understand your language, you perceived them as being an idiot. Yeah. When in fact you was the idiot. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Even after slavery, the first thing you want to do is create laws to once again, make black subordinate in this country. Mm-hmm. And you did that successfully through Jim Crow laws and a lot of other laws that we know about, right? So let's go present that. So what do you do? You can't necessarily create laws that are going to put us in that light to that degree. But what you can do is you can create laws to make it a little more difficult for us to own things in communities, mm-hmm. including our own vote. Mm-hmm. So you make voting restriction laws that affect Blacks disproportionately, mm-hmm. right? You make stand-your-ground laws and self-defense laws that clue that clearly does not include Black people. Absolutely. Right? I've never seen a Black person win a stand-your-ground law uh, case, okay? In fact, the one case that happened right in the same area that Trayvon Martin... A black lady defending herself against the ex-husband or boyfriend shot a warning, right. warning uh, round in, in the ceiling of her own home, and she got charged. Mm-hmm. Even though the ex-husband testified, "Yes, I was going to kill that bitch," yeah. still go to jail. Trayvon Martin's case. Zimmerman goes home. Right. Right. So don't tell us it doesn't exist. Don't tell us that racial inequality is 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 of the past. We're talk- it's happening right now, mm-hmm. and they're helping it by chiming in, saying it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. They are part of it. You said uh, uh, in a, I think on a, um, uh, a post yesterday that uh, silence is the new white supremacy. The, the, the new racism is
0: it, pretending that it doesn't exist or telling people it doesn't exist. That the people
2: that got to experience it every day. Absolutely, and and that's what's continuing to happen. That's how it continues to happen. People say, well. How does it continue to happen at that level? It's because you have so many people on the privileged side that feels threatened. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know what it is about black people that white people feel threatened about. I don't know, but I'll give you a case. In Minnesota, I don't know his first name, but his last name was Moore. He was an African Muslim police officer. Mm -hmm. And a lady called and said that she heard a noise in the alley. So two police officers show up. There's one black officer in the passenger seat, white officer in the driver's seat. And when they pull up, they hear some trash can rumbling. So the officer, black officer, fires a shot. And this white lady appears and, and she's been shot. His bullet hits her. He was charged immediately, fired and charged immediately, found guilty. And in the, in the, the hearing, the prosecutor said, well, what happened? And he says, well, I felt threatened. He said, you felt threatened by a blonde white lady. Mm -hmm. What's threatening about that? So let's put this in real perspective, America. What that means is you should never feel threatened by a white person. (laughs) That's what that means. So if you should never feel threatened by a white person, what's the opposite? Feel threatened by a white person. Mm -hmm. That's that's the terminology used by most officials in this country and has been so for many, many years. So when we talk about being threatened, we, we, we fit the profile. We talked about this before too. You fit the, you fit the description. Mm-hmm. You're black, the victim was white, you're guilty. Simple as that. And that's been the narrative and it continues. And it's not going to stop. What we're doing right now is hopefully informing people so that they can try to make a difference in their lives and their communities, right? But overall, I don't think the difference will be seen by me. I'm 52 years old. I I don't know the difference is going to be seen because you have people like Donald Trump ran for president and decided based on that, that there's millions of people in this country that still think the way that we're talking about today. And the the minute that he ran for president and won, State said, you know what, we don't need Donald Trump anymore. We can pass our own laws now. Mm-hmm. We got it. Look at Texas. Mm-hmm. Look at Virginia, mm-hmm. right here in this state. Look at what's happening right now. You had the lieutenant governor, and we're gonna just gonna mention this real quick. We had a lieutenant governor who's black, and everybody went, Yes, we got a black lieutenant yeah. governor. And she says her first statement is: I'm going to give more money to HBCUs, right? Everybody went, yes, yes but I don't think racism is an issue. I want to get away from it being white and black. Did she contradict herself? Yes, she did. She contradicted herself, but she contradicted herself for a reason. The reason is, I we have more money to HBCUs because I want more black students to go there. I don't want you going to UVA. (laughs) I don't want you going to Virginia Tech. I don't want you going to William and Mary,
0: Yeah.
2: right? Go down to North Carolina A&T, go to Grambling State. That's where I want you to go, right? So we can put you in that box that we've been putting you in forever. Mm -hmm. So you don't you want you want desegregation? You got it. But now you want desegregated colleges? You got it. Yeah. Go to HBCU. Right? Absolutely. Same thing. It continues. So it doesn't matter whether you're white or black. It's the narrative. And the narrative continues to put black people in a specific place in America and it's subordinate. It's inferior to whites. Absolutely. Which means if you have somebody inferior You have to have somebody that is superior And white America believes it's them This country was built on
0: that Yes absolutely and it's being challenged now um, My closing Statements is you know <laughs> When we talk about black empowerment Black history Ugly American history You know its I know it makes white people feel uncomfortable And, and ain't nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with feeling uncomfortable sometimes, you know, but it's about how we feel about what we've been through and what we are currently through. And if you have a problem with that, how can you ever call me a friend? I, I, that's one thing I don't understand. You know, it's okay when we're doing things that were benefiting you. When we were doing Hoops Kids, when we were speaking and all of the, having all the kids, you didn't have a problem with that. But the minute it came to you lending an ear to what's going on in the black community, you fell back. People fell back. That's right. And for, honestly, for me, thank you to the people who did. Because it let me know that you ain't rock with me for me. You rock with me for who you wanted me to be. Going back to that subordinate box that we talked about. That's right. You know, I hate it when people say, go to go to other countries and see how good you have it here. <laughs> So just because the United States is not as bad economically as other countries, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be quiet about the wrongdoings that, that goes on here. Understand I was born here. There's a, uh, a scene in, um, a different world where Wayne says, I was born here. My my, my ancestors fought wars for this country. We helped build this country on our backs. My children going to be here. My grandchildren going to be here. And the first thing that you say to me is, if you don't like it, you should go to a place where it ain't as good. So you're, you're acknowledging the flaws of the country, but saying it ain't as bad as some other places. That's right. Now, how dumb does that sound? We're going to continue to point out the bullshit. Absolutely. And when it comes to blacks, there is nothing other countries can do to black people or half of black people that's worse than chattel slavery. That's right. I don't care what third world country you go to. I'd rather be broke and hungry than have to experience chattel slavery the way my ancestors did. Absolutely. And listen, I don't expect everybody to agree with us. This is this is what we call it the unapologetic perspective. And I'm not against people who disagree with me. There's a couple of friends, they know we disagree all the time. And we shake hands and say, you know what? I respect your perspective. That's it, because they may not fully get where I'm coming from, and I don't fully get where they're coming from, and that's all right. But I get mad when people who to, who at people who expect African Americans to stop referring to history when it keeps repeating itself. Absolutely. You want to give me the date? I know what today's date is. What they got to do with anything? As if and it still is a repeating stuff. We can go back and we can compare Emmett Till to Trayvon Martin. That's right. The word self-defense has been used by white America as a justification. But when blacks use it, it's still called violence. We can go back to Malcolm X. We can go back to the Black Panther Party for that. We can go back to Lena Baker in 1945. Again. For killing a white man who kidnapped and assaulted her. She claimed that she had been shot in self, she claimed that she shot him in self-defense. You know what they did? They executed her. And then exonerated her a few years ago. We watched Brooke Richardson, Ohio, 2019 kill her child. Got probation. Mm -hmm. And then you want to talk to me about Cal Rittenhouse? Are we serious? For the people, as I say in the comments, the comments now go come in. If you know history, you know what we're talking about. That's if right. you do not know history, if you're talking about that K-12 through bull crap that they gave you in civics, in civics and social studies and American history, you referring to that, you don't know history. That's right. Don't talk to me about... <laughs> I guess the new word, well, we know even before Dr. Queen, when, whenever black people start talking about equality, white people bring up communism. You only bring up communism when black people start talking about equality. So, have fun with that.
1: Uh, I just want to say rest in peace, young adult. Um As black people, we got to hold other black people accountable. He was gunned down in Memphis, uh, your favorite state. Mm-hmm. He was gunned down in Memphis by two other black men in his hometown at a uh at an all black establishment that he frequents to to promote their business to so they can get more customers. He was gunned down. Um the sad part is this shit ain't gonna stop. Uh Nipsey Hustle was gunned down in his own hood uh, by, you know, another crip. Um, and all Nip was doing was somebody had got out of jail. He was giving them free clothes from his store. Um, as black people, like I said, we just gotta hold each other accountable, and that's what we do on here. We don't just talk about, you know, the the racist white people. but well, mm-hmm. we talk about the black people as well, yep, we talk about um, our own problems. That's right. Yeah. So rest in peace, the Dolph. Prayers to his family. But you know, like I said, this for some reason, this shit ain't gonna never stop. Blacks gonna always keep right. killing black.
2: I'm going to end with this. I want America has to own this role that they continue to try to place black Americans in. They, they have to own it. And, and the reason I say that is because they created it. Right. So if you look at, if you look at the declaration of independence that they wrote, um, there was no mention of slavery in the declaration of independence. Why? because they didn't want Britain to know that it was going on and that it was basically a part of the culture. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So they wanted to protect slavery. They wanted it for themselves. Prior to the Declaration of Independence, they blamed Britain for slavery, Mm -hmm. saying that the king wanted them to go bring slaves to the country to help build the country. But yet in the Declaration of Independence, they didn't mention it. Why? They knew it was wrong. They knew it was wrong but they wanted to harbor it. They needed it. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was, it was important to the building of this country and they needed it. So they, they didn't include it in, in the Declaration of Independence. And then as time go on and you read more and more and you have the constitution and you have all these bills of rights and you have all these things that came about, they mentioned us as human beings. Where well, they could have said we were animals. Yeah, right, they could have deemed black people as being animals and not included them at all in the conversation. Mm-hmm. But why didn't they? Because we are human beings. The only thing is, they don't believe that we're equal to them, mm-hmm. so they had to have a way to say that we're not equal, even though they already missed that part because they said all men were created equal. Yeah. How do we go back and fix that? We can't, yeah, we can't go back and fix it. So all we can do is try to appease black America mm-hmm. by giving you a few things, right? Progress. Progress. Mm-hmm. Progress. So that's what they give you. But you made a point, an a, a excellent statement early about precedence. And when we talk about precedence, we're not just talking about previous court cases. Yeah, We're talking about precedence in a whole. The precedence was already set of where you wanted us to be in America. Mm-hmm. And that narrative continues. I'm going to read a quote. We were once told by virtue, our bondage, that we could never be American. But it was by that virtue of our bondage that we became the most American of all.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So white America, where you try to... <laughs> say that we're not American and we're not equal as you. We fought in the same wars that you fought in. Mm -hmm. Um, We we built this country. This country was built on our backs, literally, literally, built on our backs. So when you say we're not American, everything that you say about what America is, is who we are. And the fact that we're standing up and talking about these situations, we're trying to hold your truths to be self-evident. We're trying to help you prove your point. There was no democracy until we made it one. Mm-hmm. Without us, there is no democracy. Mm-hmm. So black people made this country a democracy. So what we're doing is a part of that, which you said we were. This country was going to be. We're holding you accountable for that. So at some point, you're going to have to admit it. Because you have already have, just in your writings alone, you've already admitted So come on, come clean and back up and support what you say you are, what this country is supposed to be.
0: Absolutely, Um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna say one more thing. I too, by Langston Hughes, I too sang America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow I'll be at the table when company comes Nobody a dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I, too, am America. You silenced my ancestors. But through that, we've grown.